listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at bethanynaz.org. Every Sunday morning, um, I come down to get ready for uh, church, a shower and everything. And I've been going over my sermon. And Annette, almost every morning, Sunday morning, says, So how do you feel about your sermon? How are you doing, you know, this morning? And uh, and I always feel very challenged and sometimes a little anxious. And so I shared that with her this morning. And so she gave me good advice. And that said to me, she says, look at me, OK? She says, don't 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 try to be funny. Don't try to be witty. Don't try to sound intelligent. Just be yourself. OK, so thank you, Annette, for good advice this morning. Yeah. I'm going to try to be myself. Do you, you remember the story that I told you when I was in seminary, everybody had part-time jobs because we were full-time students, but you had to work. And and I had a job for a while at a bank. I was a bank teller. And um, then I had a job at a vacuum cleaner store. Um, one of my friends got a job driving a delivery truck. And one day he's driving his delivery truck and this car behind him keeps honking, honking. Guy's waving out the window like, pull over, pull over. Finally, my friend is determined that maybe something's wrong with the delivery truck. He can't see it. And he pulls over. And uh, when he gets out of the truck, this guy is there to to greet him. Um, and he hits him. And 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 he says, what? Why did you hit me? You know, and he said, because you cut me off back there. You know, so road rage this many years ago was was already a thing. And my friend says to him. I did not cut you off. I wouldn't do that. I'm a Christian. To which the person responds, wait a minute, you're a Christian because I'm a Christian. And he says, no, you're not. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't have hit me. You you ever had one of those moments as a Christian? Where you didn't quite live up to, you know, the name? Or, or, or maybe we, we have those moments. I, I know that I do in my life where I walk away saying, boy, I, I did not handle that well. I did not represent Christ well. But, but overall, do you feel like when you're mistreated that you respond in a Christ-like way or in a way that Christ would have responded? Overall, do you feel like that you respond like Jesus would have responded? So here we are in the season of Lent. And we're focused on the sufferings and the sacrifice of Jesus. I, I've challenged you, when you read the Gospels, don't, don't just read the Gospels and listen to what Jesus says. However, it's important to listen to what Jesus says. But what if you read the Gospels and said, I really want to see how Jesus lived, all right? Because there's all of that in between the lines of, of I'm seeing how Jesus lived. And, and, and more importantly in this series, how he responded, you know, when he was being mistreated by people, right? And so um, you've probably had times in your life when you felt like you were mistreated. How did you, how did you respond? Did you respond like Jesus I'm, I'm going to say a name, and after I say the name, I want you to, um, I want you to, to say whatever word comes to your mind. You ready? I'll say a name. You say whatever word that comes to your mind. Maybe we can do it in unison. I'll kind of give you a signal. Okay? Here we go. Judas. 
So I heard Iscariot. And, and that refers to where he was from. Kerioth. It was a Judean village. Uh, also heard betrayal. Or betrayed. Or betrayed. And, and I think that's the word that probably we associate with him mostly. If I said to you, what's Judas known for, what would you say? The betrayal. We, we have other words like, you know, hypocrite, villain. If we, if we just look at the scripture, we would have to say thief, uh, greedy, but, but betrayal. How would you like it if, if everybody who knew you associated you with the word betrayal? Wouldn't it be awful? I would never want to be remembered or known as the person who betrayed someone. But that's what Judas is, is known for. So, if you look up the word betray, it kind of gives you this idea of Someone who gives information to an enemy, and that's what Judas did in return for 30 pieces of silver. And over my head there is an image, and we'll let you take a copy of that home with you today. And I hope that image takes on new meaning for you today. We, we, we as Christians live in the United States of America today. We are in a different time frame. Uh, the world has changed in regard to how Christianity is viewed. So, so I grew up you know, I'm, I'm now 60, you know, one years old and I grew up in just a few months. I'm going to get the full discount on everything. I'm holding out, you know, for it. I'll be 62. But I, I grew up in an era where that, you know, Christians were, I think, tolerated pretty well. Um, nothing was really planned on Sunday morning because we know that's when the Christians go to church. And so we don't plan sports or anything on Sunday mornings. That That's the world I grew up in. And, and Christians were seen as, you know, they're, they're good people. They're a little different in some ways, but so much of society embraced the overall gospel message. And so much of society, uh, lived according to a, a Judeo-Christian ethic. And so Christians, we, we kind of had this arrangement with society. We were, we were doing okay. But over these last several years, it's changing. There is a growing hostility toward Christianity. Do you feel it like I feel it? And so we're, we're seen as a threat to many people, as, as being dangerous, a threat to their way of life. The, the, the world has changed in these last few years. And the way we are viewed is different. You know what's interesting? Not only are are we being seen differently, and not only are we being kind of pushed into a corner at times, but society is watching how we respond. Closely. And so it brings me to the Bottom line of this morning's conversation. I'll put it in the form of a question. Do Christians respond differently when threatened or mistreated? Then who? Then everybody else. Do we kind of march to this different drumbeat? So when we feel threatened or when someone mistreats us, 
Do we respond in ways that the rest of the world doesn't respond? In other words, are we really different? And the real question is, our founder, Jesus, how did he respond when he was mistreated, betrayed even? And how are we doing at following our founder and leader, King Jesus? Let me take you back to Matthew 26. We have been there, you know, for weeks and we're going to be there a few more. Okay. Uh, Matthew 26, beginning with verse 14. One of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot. Again, this is more about where he's from. Kerioth, a Judean village. He went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I will deliver him over to you? In other words, if I'm willing to betray Jesus, what's in it for me? And so they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. We, we really struggle to know exactly what each coin was worth um, because it's not given to us. But the best assumption we can make, it would be about four months wages. So if you think about what you would earn in four months, maybe that gives you some kind of a framework. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. In other words, an opportunity where the crowds weren't strong and present and where a mob, a crowd wouldn't rise against them and we can just get Jesus handed over to you. So we skip down a few verses. We get to the Last Supper and while evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad now, along the journey to Jerusalem, Jesus had said to the disciples on more than one occasion, I will be betrayed. But he had not identified who was going to do it. And so here he says, one of you will betray me. Well, they were very sad and began to say to him uh, after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. In other words... It's unthinkable. I would never consider betraying you. I can't imagine. And obviously Judas is covering his tracks pretty well also. And Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. Most of them have probably dipped into the common bowl. So this isn't a really good clue at this point. And then Jesus says, the Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. Matthew's desire over and over again through this passion narrative has been to make sure that his readers understand that Jesus is not being killed because he is a false prophet, but it is part of the divine plan. From the beginning, this was God's plan. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. You notice he does not call him Lord as the other disciples do. He calls him Rabbi because he's not his Lord. And Jesus answered, You have said so. In other words, um, Judas, your own words have condemned yourself. I don't need to add anything to it. It is as you've said. Then when they get to the Garden of Gethsemane, remember, he leaves the Last Supper, he goes to the Garden. We've been talking about these events. While he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs. Probably helps us understand there were Roman soldiers in the crowd, as well as members of the Sanhedrin. They sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. They were sent from them. 
Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. And so going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, rabbi again, not Lord. And he kissed him. A kiss in Jesus' culture would have been a sign of respect, which makes this betrayal even more hypocritical if it could be any more hypocritical. There was no respect. Jesus replied, do what you came for. And what does he call him? Hmm. Friend. And then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and they arrested him. This is God's word for us today. My wife, Annette, and I were out of town Friday morning, and we got word that Sherry Gilliland had passed away unexpectedly. Uh, we, were, we were in shock. Sherry was only 67 years old. Sherry was the daughter of a former pastor of this church, Ponder Gilliland. Ponder Gilliland became pastor in 1970, and he pastored for 15 years until 1985. How many of you were here, a part of this church, when Ponder Gilliland was the pastor? Look around. Keep your hands up just for a minute. I want you to kind of... So crucial to his ministry was Sherry's God-given voice. Amen? They had a television show. People tell me that Ponder Gilliland would say, if I lived in Oklahoma City, I would attend Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. And Sherry would sing on that television show with some of you. And many people came to this church as a result of, of Sherry's music, uh, musical gift. So the family is scheduling sometime in, in June a memorial service. And I can tell you uh, what will happen at that memorial service. They, they will talk about how Sherry is with the Lord. They'll, they'll talk about how Sherry has finally received her reward. Uh, they'll talk about how that she lived her life and how that heaven is now her home. There, there, there's a reason we talk like that in church world. And, and the reason that we talk like that is because we believe that heaven and hell aren't places that you're sent when you die. We believe instead that they are places you've been going all along. And one day you arrive. We, we believe that, that Sherry chose a path. And the path that she chose was to follow Jesus. And we know that that path has a very predictable destination. It ends being with the Lord, being in heaven. Receiving the reward that you've lived your life for. In fact, in life, we always end up where the road that we've chosen takes us. I remember a few years ago preaching a series called The Path. And we just talked about the road I've chosen. I always end up where the road that I've chosen takes me. As, as I try to understand Judas this morning, that kind of thinking is very helpful for me. 
So when you, when you think about Judas, okay, you go, okay, here's, here's a guy that was, was called to follow Jesus. Follow me, Jesus says, to Judas. Be my disciple. He's given the title of apostle. He hears how many sermons and how many private teachings of Jesus. Think about this. He witnesses all of these miracles. But he doesn't believe. What do you mean he doesn't believe? I mean, the Bible says he doesn't believe. It's in John chapter um, 6, verse 64. Yet there are some, Jesus says, of you who do not believe. And John writes this comment. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. What are you saying? Are you saying that Jesus was 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 implying that that Jesus always knew that Jesus had this in, Jesus knew that Judas wasn't a believer that Judas was not a true follower he only appeared to be a disciple he was a fake the whole time he he acted like he was following Jesus but he really wasn't I I don't know how I can gain anything else from the scripture than that I, I look at other things that Jesus said about Judas. He said, have I not called you the twelve, but one of you is the devil? He talked about one of you is doomed to destruction. Another translation says the son of perdition. Jesus is saying, he didn't even call me Lord, he called me Rabbi. And what happens is Judas chooses a, Judas rather chooses a path. And one day he finally ends up where he had been going all along. I, I, I think every time I, I study, I think about Judas. I think, I think I get into all these questions, all these questions, these deep questions about Judas. Somebody had to betray Jesus. Was it, did it have to be Judas? Did he really have a choice? Satan had entered Judas. What, you know, and you just kind of live with all these questions that you have about Judas. And I think it's way more simple than we've made it. I think simply Judas ended up where he had been going all along. He chose a path that had a very predictable destination. I think it's that simple. Here's, here's the bottom line. Judas didn't respond like a follower of Jesus because he didn't believe. He wasn't one. Let me drill down just a little deeper on that conversation, okay? Do you remember just early in Holy Week, Jesus is in Bethany, and he's at the home of Simon the leper. Matthew tells the story just a few verses earlier. And and, and, and while they're there, uh, something happens. Um, this, this woman, uh, Matthew doesn't give her a name, uh, she has this alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, um, and, and she goes over to Jesus and she takes this alabaster jar of very expensive perfume and she pours it over Jesus. And Matthew says, um, the disciples were concerned and, and they begin to say, why, why waste all of this expensive perfume? I mean, you could have sold it, right? And you could have given the money to the poor. And Jesus counteracts their 
concerns by saying she's done a good thing. And, and what she's really doing is preparing me for my burial. And wherever the gospel is preached, she's going to be remembered for this. So 2,000 years later, we're sitting here in church in Oklahoma City on a Sunday morning, thousands of miles from the Middle East where it happened, but we're talking about her. Because Jesus was right. He said, one day she's going to be remembered for wherever the gospel's preached, she's going to be remembered for this. While Judas is remembered for something else. But John gives us detail. Much more detail. And here's what he says. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? Okay, you hear what he's saying? This is Judas. He's saying, why wasn't the perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. A keeper of the money bag. And he used to help himself to what was put into it. There's a little bit of me. Is there a little bit of you that's saying, what? He walked around with Jesus. He saw the miracles. He listened to the sermons. <laughs> what? And the whole time he's a thief. It's having no effect. Do you realize the gift you've been given, Judas? Do you and I realize the gift we've been given? And every one of us right now is choosing a path. And that path has a very predictable destination. We always end up where the road that we've chosen takes us. Everybody in the room knows where we're headed. No shocks or surprises. I'm on a road. And I'm 100% sure where it ends up. Let me just give you a side note that's going to help us as we move to the next part of the message, okay? And that is this look into the kingdom of God. So I don't know how, how to go here except just to start chatting with you about it, okay? Um, when, when you become a follower of Jesus, you become a citizen of the kingdom of God. You're not a citizen of this world any longer. This is not our citizenship. We're, we're the oddballs. We do life differently than everybody else. We march to a different drumbeat. The values of the kingdom of God are not the values of the kingdoms of this world. Alright? We think in an upside down kind of way. So she gives away very expensive perfume and in return she gets everything. 
Judas, on the other hand, receives 30 pieces of silver and loses everything. It, it's, it's that whole kingdom of God kind of thinking that if you want to save something, then you give it away. That's the way we are. We're odd. We think differently. Money gets tight, we give more away. You want to be first, you go to the back of the line. It's that, it's that kingdom of God thinking. And it's sometimes hard to wrap our heads around and sometimes even more difficult to wrap our hearts around. So let's talk about it for a few minutes here, okay? Uh, in my senior year of, between my junior and senior year of college, I should say, uh, I got a call from a, a guy who was pastoring a church down in southern Georgia. And, and he asked me if I would want to come down and, and hang out with him that summer and be a youth pastor for the summer. He said, we can't pay you a lot. We can pay you this much. And, uh, and I said, well, that's about how much I need to make to get back to school the next semester. So that'd be great. And so I went down and I spent a summer there. And, and it was great. Awesome people. Um, I learned a lot. And I loved being there. Uh, they, they, they had a very southern accent. I said to the pastor, how long have you been here? He said, 44 years. You know. Emory Lindsay, a great man. and pastor of that church all those years. And I remember one day I was at, at the preacher's house. And uh, it was a Saturday and his wife came home, Miss Doris. She had been to baby shower. And she says when she walks in the door to her husband, you're not going to believe who was there. And he said, who? And she said some lady's name, which I didn't know the lady's name, of course. But they began to explain to me that this lady had attended their church and had caused a great deal of trouble, had been very divisive, had been very rude to the two of them, and finally got mad and left the church. First time she had seen her since she had left the church. And the preacher says to his wife, what did you do? And she stood there and welled up with tears. And said, I loved her neck. In Georgia, that's short for I gave him a hug. They used to say to me, you come here and let me love your neck. Let me, let me say it another way. If, if you were going to have a dinner at your house. And cook your favorite foods. And, and you really wanted to have some folks over. Besides me, who would you have? <laughs> Nat and I are having a dinner tonight. We're having our, our small group over. Um, we're going to love it. We're going to sit in our dining room on our table. We're going to talk and laugh. It's going to be wonderful. So, so when, you, when you throw a dinner party, who do you invite over? 
Jesus invited Judas. See what I mean? This is messed up. I just want to go, no, man. See, do you understand where I'm at? I don't want to invite Judas to my table. He has done me wrong. But Jesus never speaks about Judas with animosity. And he calls him friend. So, when we've been asking this question, how to respond, Jesus responded to his betrayer with love and with compassion. I started the conversation by saying we're living in a world as Christians where there is rising hostility toward our kind. Right? So how, how have we responded as a church? I, 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 think, I think there's times when we say, just circle the wagons. Circle the wagons and pray that the cavalry comes over the hill and rescues us. Seriously, in other words, I think, I think there's times when as Christians we just say, hunker down and just hope Jesus comes pretty soon because it's, it's out of control. You know, just hunker down. I, I think it's tempting for us to say it. The ship is always safest in the harbor anyway, right? But the ship wasn't built for the harbor. It was built for the open seas. And we are the church of Jesus Christ. And we were made for this moment. We have been empowered with God's Holy Spirit. We do not need to back down. We need to stand up. And so, you might say, Rick... How do you share Jesus with a world that sees you as the enemy? And I think first we get this narrative of how Jesus responded when he was betrayed and how he was responded when he was mistreated throughout this entire series. I, I think Peter sums it up really well when he says, live such good lives, live a good life. You hear me? Let's live good lives. Live such good lives among the pagans, not being unkind, just talking about people who don't put their faith in Jesus. Let's live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, that they will see your good deeds and they will bring glory to your God, right? So, so it's a matter of living a good life. And what does that good life look like? I think it's about responding like Jesus. Jesus responded with love and compassion. And I'll be honest with you, there are times in my life as a follower of Jesus in the society that I'm living in where I want to respond in anger. Jesus looks over Jerusalem and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how long have I longed to gather you in my wings? But you would not, you know. And I think we're tempted to respond in anger. And I think we leave ourselves saying, what, well, what do you do? What do you do? You just let the world deteriorate? Dude, are you living in that conversation in your head? We just let society go to nothing? It feels like to me that's where it's going. And I don't have it all figured out, but I do know this, that we don't really change society unless we help people become like Jesus. 
And I know it's harder and harder to share the gospel. But I think that's what we're called to do. And whatever we do and however we respond, people have to see the love and compassion of Jesus in us. Amen. Could, could we maybe take a moment just to bow our heads together? And maybe just some reflective prayer this morning. I feel like there's a lot going on in the story. And so can you just take a moment and think about the path that you've chosen? Just God search my heart right now. Don't let me fool myself. And just be honest with God about the path that you're on and where that path will take you. And, and then maybe just take a few moments to pray about just how, how am I responding? What, what, is, what is the non-believing world seeing in me? The people at my work. The people at my school, the people in my neighborhood. What do they see when they see me? Are they seeing Jesus? Lord, you're faithful to speak to us. And we are thankful. Don't ever stop speaking to us, Lord. Help us to listen to your voice. Help us to be Jesus in our world. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us, please?
today will remind us as, that as we go out into the world that we must respond. We're called to respond with kindness and love no matter how difficult it may be. And as a time of reflection as we go through the series of Journey to the Cross, as you leave this place today, there will be a card and it has the visual on it that you've seen this morning. It also has questions to reflect about what you've heard and of course the scripture reading this morning take that with you if you would and make it a part of your week as you reflect on what you've heard today as a church we're so grateful um, that you give week after week and we're so thankful for god's faithfulness in your own life and in the life of this church and so we just want to say thank you for your act of giving once again this morning, as you leave, be reminded that God loves you. And as you go out into the world, respond with that kindness and that love that God has called us to. Thank you for being here today. You are dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.